You know, why are we here in the first place? You ever wonder that? You ever wonder why we are, who we are, how we got here? And I was thinking about this during this week. This is Random Thoughts by Shane Isles. You ever notice how we always have everything like that's alive has a throat? Throats don't make sense. If you think about it, there's no reason to have a throat um, if, you're, if you believe in evolution, right? Because if you would, it would just go straight to the stomach. Why isn't our mouse attached right to our stomach? And that makes more sense to me, right? Because it'd be closer, you can eliminate parts, it's more efficient, and things. But yet, you look at animals, you look at even fish, like, and you look at humans, we all have throats. We haven't evolved to get rid of one over the, over the, <laughs> over the time and things. Um, but it's like, so why, what does that point to? That points to a designer, right? It points to a designer, somebody that is um, an intelligent design. And the more and more we get to that and accept that these days, the more and more the scientific community wants to say, well, the designer is aliens because they don't want to accept that God has created um, mankind. And even, I was talking to one, one of the elders, he's like, even if, if there are aliens involved in that, where did they come from, right? Um, where did we come from? That, that is the big question when we get down to it. And God offers us a solution to that in his word, right? In Genesis, it says that he created everything. Now, is it as simple as, as what we see in, in there? Well, maybe for him it is, probably not for us. And to figure out how you can explain a universe that's billions of years old, um, I do that by having a creator that's not bound by time, right? he's not bound by time, he can expand it as fast or slow as he wants to, um, bound outside of time. It doesn't really matter uh, because he's not bound by time, matter, and space. And so he can create and do anything he wants with time, matter, and space, which is another miracle thing. Like, why are we here in the first place? doesn't make sense. Um, it's the old watch in the, in the bag story, right? I, I use that almost every year at VBS time. You shake it around, you put it in there, and all the parts in there, and then it magically turns into a watch after billions of years. It'll eventually just shake itself together, right? Well, we know that's not true. It, it would deteriorate and get worse and worse and worse. So why are we here? And God sets up this system then in the, in the Bible that we have this sacrificial system, and he has to bring that in because I think the people of Israel kind of reject the giving of the Holy Spirit, and so they want something that they can do step by step, and so he, he introduces the sacrificial system, and um, but it's workspace, and it only puts off the Messiah longer, and there's this sin enters the world and all that stuff too, right? We have this free will to choose, and we don't choose God. We choose um, ourselves, and we put ourselves, we get cast out of the garden, we're in here, we're in this fallen state. God says, I'm going to rescue you. How are you going to rescue you? Well, I'm going to rescue you through um, specific people. Well, why do you have to do that? Well, because man got so evil that I had to destroy 
the earth again and start over with Noah. And after Noah, I said, I need to, man's going down that same road again, so I'm going to shorten their lifespan, and I'm going to create a specific person, and I'm going to go through Abraham. And I'm going to take Abraham, and I'm going to show the world through this his descendants that there is a need for a savior. And what do they do? They turn to themselves. They turn to the law. They turn to all these other things except for God, and they don't do their job of showing the world Jesus. And so God's like, or God himself, he's like, well, I'm going to have to show you something bigger and something different along the way, right? So he gets going along, and when he shows him some, this, <clears throat> the people reject Jesus, right? So you have the answer in God, reject, 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 give him away, trying to do it my own way, trying to do it uh, through a sacrificial system, trying to do it, all these other things, and then Jesus has got to come and correct all that again, right? And so he didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. And this gets us to, to our call to worship this morning. So you get a guy like Nicodemus that studied the Bible, the Old Testament, all his life. He's probably got it all memorized. He's got it um, forward and backwards, and he knows every little uh, knit and tittle of the, of the text. He studied it profusely, and he's coming confused. And why does he come confused? He comes confused because people have jumbled up the law into this salvation thing, and it's not. It's, it's not the law that does it. It's the heart, the, the surrendering of the heart that does. And when we surrender our heart to the Lord, that brings us to this, this new creation, this, this life that we have in the spirit, right? It says, flesh gives birth to flesh, and spirit gives birth to spirit. And... That brings us to John 3.16, and this, this teacher of teachers is going, well, how, how can this be? I don't understand it. And he's like, yeah, you don't understand it. Um, and Jesus replies, you're a respected Jewish teacher. If you don't understand these things, I assure you, we, we tell you what we know and we've seen, and yet you don't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly have believe when I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven in return, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on the pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. So everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. So he throws this very Jewish story in the middle of this, and it comes from Numbers. And if you ever read Numbers, sometimes it's really boring, but sometimes there's these really good stories in there. And, and I say really good stories in the, in the fact that there's a lot of drama in Numbers, but they're not really good stories because a lot of the stories in Numbers are about the Israelites sinning and turning away from God. And this is another one of those. God's getting ready to bring them into the promised land, and they... You have to go a long, the long way around, and they start grumbling against God and Moses and Aaron. That's what it says. And uh, I think the uh, NRSV says they're murmuring. It's a murmuring, murmuring. And it's, it's one of those onomatopoeia words, right, where you just, it's like a droning on and on and on, kind of like I'm doing right now. And you're like, oh, please stop. Mur-. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I hope I'm kidding. Um, and... So they're like, 
this murmuring and they're complaining, 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 and they go along and it's like, okay, so what are we going to do? What are we going to do about this? And God's like, you know what? I've sent all these things to draw them to me. I've sent manna so they have to be dependent on me. I've sent them all these examples to where they need to be dependent on me and they keep turning away. So I'm going to let them have what they want and I'm going to pull my hand back. When he pulls his hand back, all these vipers come out into the camp and they come and they start biting the people and the people start dying. We're not talking like one or two people. We're talking thousands of people are dying from snake bites. And that represents our sin, right? Those snake bites represent the sin. And, and Aaron comes running to Moses and says, the people are dying. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? How are we going to save them? And God says, I want you to take the snake and I want you to form it out of bronze and I want you to put it up on this pole. And for any of you guys that have been in church ever, who does the snake represent in the Bible? Usually Satan, right? Usually the bad guy. If you look at it in Genesis chapter 3, the serpent comes out and he's usually the bad guy. So why would he say to look on the snake? I don't understand that. It's confusing to me, but it wasn't confusing to Nicodemus because Nicodemus knew that story. And he knew that when they looked on the snake, they had salvation. Now, why would he put a snake on the pole? Why would Jesus say that about himself? Wasn't Jesus perfect? Wasn't he sinless? Why would he say that he had a snake on a pole? Well, I'll tell you why. So we're all sinners, right? I'm a sinner, you're a sinner. We all fall short of God's expectations, except for Jesus. So how can he be that? Why would you have snake represent? Well, you flip it over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. It says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be an offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. I'm trying really hard. There. I left out my dad joke. You'll have to ask me afterwards. Um, the one who made, who was without sin, he made sin so that we might have eternal life. And so when Jesus Christ dies on the cross, the early form of crucifixion was to be put up on a pole, right? And in this sense, the pole with a cross across it, just like that. One behind the, the scenery. <laughs> oh, behind ca- curtain number one. But we're not going to reveal it. We'll pull half the tile down. Uh, so, um, so then again, still, why look at the sin and not the Savior? Because God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life for God did not come into the world to judge the world but to save the world through him when Jesus comes off the cross the sin stays on does that make sense 
Jesus comes off the cross, the sin stays on. So I am separated from my sin because of the power of the cross. What was supposed to destroy Christ in death, Christ has made alive in him because he was able to separate himself from the sin. He was able to defeat death three days later and rise again. Isn't that awesome? I'm going to tell you, though, the meat of the passage isn't in John 3, 16 and 17. The meat of the passage is in 18, 19, 20, and 21. You're like, well, what is it? Well, I'm going to get there, right? It says, there is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. The judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people love the darkness more than light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it, for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do, not, but those who do what is right come to the light so that others can see that they are doing what God wants. Church, he's put that on us. He's put that on us to set that example for others to see the good that he does so we can praise our Father in heaven. Right? Let your light shine, let your light shine. That was a VBS song. That's a Bible verse that I remembered. Okay, so let's break that down a little bit. If we are born... Born of the flesh. We come in this world, we stand in judgment. We are standing in judgment. What does that judgment mean? What's that judgment are we talking about there? We're talking about God's wrath. What's the difference between wrath and anger? Anger is spikes up and goes away. Wrath is it's it goes until it's it's taken care of, right? So God's wrath will remain until sin is wiped out, okay? So why hasn't God done that now? Because when Jesus came and died on the cross, he opened up an age of grace, which means we have free will to do what we want, and we, which he ultimately wants us to choose him. He brings things across our path so that we will see that there's an opportunity to pick him. I choose Jesus. You'd hope so. I was a pastor, right? Um, but then it says, I have to set an example so that you might choose Jesus as well. Right? I hope you see through this week from all the kids that, that we've gotten to minister to a little bit of Jesus. I'll tell you one story to close. We have neighbors across the, the way. They're moving to Kenya. They got their um, um, the storage unit, thank, thank you, out, out back. And they're getting ready. They're packing up. They're getting ready to rent the house and things, and they're going to live in their RV, and then they're going to move that down to... Louisiana, and then it's got to move over to Africa, and they're going to Kenya. Well, she's got a friend that is from Kenya over here in the United States. They're Muslim, and uh, 
the little girl's name was Selma. She came to VBS. Some of you guys know her. You know, every single night, she wasn't here on the last night because they had to go because uh, they're having a hard time um, financially right now. They would come home, and all Veronica said, she'd come home and she'd just tell, this is what we're learning about. This is what we learned about. Boom, 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 boom. Just walk right down the gospel message about Jesus. So do they hear it? Absolutely. Absolutely. They hear it through our actions. They hear it through our words. And they hear it through the love of Jesus that pours out in us. So when I look at the beginning of this, where we look at a creator and how could he be, where is he at, what's he done for us, what is more precious than one of these little ones that we ministered to, one of your little ones? Would you give up one of your little ones, your only little one, to save Peoria County, Illinois, the United States, the world, the world for all time, I'd still have a hard time. You could save everyone or you save your kid. I'm kind of selfish. It's hard. And God gave up the one who knew no sin so that we might have eternal life. That's pretty amazing to me. That, that'll preach, right? So my sin is stuck on that cross, and I can walk away from it a free man. So when I get to the pearly gates, and I talk to my heavenly father, and his son's going to come up next to him, and he's going to ask me, why should I let you in? And Jesus is going to say, well, you probably shouldn't, but I've written my name down over all his sins, so the blood of Jesus covers my sin, and I get in, because I've surrendered, right? I've given up my life so that um, I might be a steward in this, this day and age, and you can do the same thing. When we surrender and we say, I want Christ to lead in my life, or as one of the country singers says, Jesus, take the wheel, right? In a sense, that's the same thing. And not all the lyrics in that song, but that particular one, it's you're letting Jesus have control. You're letting Jesus have control. And when you do that, things happen. Things happen, right? Is that something you want to do or something you're interested in? Please talk to me after the service. Um, I'd be very interested in talking to you about it as well.